You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another guest host edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the NBA as a whole. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's all available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Alexa, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. Our usual host, Jake Madison, is still out doing other important work-related activities, so filling in for him today, I'm Jason Quigley. I'm a contributor for LockedOnPelicans.com. I've been on this podcast a few times before, and that's about the most interesting thing about me here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Jason Quiggs, and I try not to post too much on there. But speaking of Twitter, I just want to take a second to marvel at, or at least appreciate, the astounding power that Twitter can have sometimes. Like, among all the multitudes of negatives... There are many positives. The Locked On Pe uh, Pelicans adventure, the whole Locked On Podcast network. I learned about all of that through Twitter. And shout out to Jake for giving me this opportunity to have some fun with all this. Everybody this week, I think we're having, this whole year we've had a lot of fun with this. Um, but along with Jake, Twitter has allowed for me to meet tons of cool people, including the guy who I will be talking to today on the pod, He's made Twitter a lot more entertaining as my friend, but more importantly, he's a writer over at ESPN's True Hoop Pelicans blog, Bourbon Street Shots. Ryan A. Bear, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. How are you? You know, I'm really excited because <laughs> the whole day before recording, this whole week, we were talking about we really wanted some NBA news to happen and just hoping. And right before we started recording this, we got... A woge bomb from Twitter. The most important news. Free agent Vince Carter has agreed to a one-year deal with the Atlanta Hawks. Really oh. important stuff. <laughs> That's the hard-hitting stuff we need. Oh, wait. Were you were you going to do the Warriors one instead? Is that what oh, you were excited about? Uh, Daniel House. Oh. One-year deal. Oh. <laughs> we're, in the, we're in the midst of the really, really good part of the offseason here. The dog days of summer, as it's called. Uh, it's going to be really horrible the next few months without basketball. We got the uh, Team USA mini camp in, I'm not sure, that's what, next week? Something like that? Yeah, that's next week. Um, that's always exciting. And then that's about the last thing that's going to happen before we are without basketball for a few months. <laughs> but for now, we, we got some things to talk about. Um, other than Pelicans fandom, though, we have another connection, you and I, in that we have Cajun roots, I guess you could call it that. Uh, I graduated from Louisiana last year, or as most listeners probably know it, UL Lafayette, or something of that nature. You have many ties to Lafayette and the university, more than me, really, because you're, you still live there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but my question to you is this. Scale of one to, let's say, a hundred... How excited are you for the return of Alfred Payton to the state of Louisiana? A hundred. He's my favorite <laughs> college player that ever played, and he's playing for my pro team now. Wow. I was expecting a more reasonable answer, but <laughs> no. Um, I know you probably have watched him a little bit more than me. I don't think we've covered him on this podcast this week. We've covered Randall. We already know about Ian Clark. Why are you so excited? 
I just like the way he played. He's like, uh, I know he has knocks against him. Like when he went into the pros, he's not as good as, on defense as he used to be. But uh, and he's he'll not, never be a shooter. His uh, Sun Belt Defensive Player of the Year one year, this yep, last year. Last year. Yeah, he he won't be a shooter, at least as like a Steph Curry type of point guard. But I'm also I I wouldn't say I'm a hundred <laughs> on the scale, but I am fairly excited i think he can thrive in the system that we put in place yeah all he needs to do is push pace pass play defense like i think he can do all those things and he's been in bad situations oh yeah (laughs) i mean everyone dies to play for orlando and the suns (laughs) so he had about 25 games with the suns and he'll probably never recover from the mental trauma (laughs) <laughs> even just looking at his numbers from the drop-off between orlando and the suns last yeah. year he did have he a triple double he did but he <laughs> went from like bad to worse really bad he like his overall field goal percentage was 52 percent on orlando and then it dropped to 43 Ooh. on the suns as bad <laughs> well i was gonna okay i have a trivia question for you out of all he's he entered the league in 2014 he was drafted who do you think is the best player oh my god hold on (laughs) we do have breaking news just happened free agent troy williams has agreed to a deal with the new orleans pelicans oh good he shoots well right he played 17 games for the knicks last season um whenever we take a break here i'm gonna go look him up some more but i already looked him up he's no he does not shoot well great awesome (laughs) Um, probably a training camp deal, if I had to guess. Yes, he, he's not not exactly the most excited. We had two training camp deals in the last few days with Garland Green and whew, the other the other TCU player, uh, Williams. Yeah, Kenrich Williams. Yep, that's that was it. him. Um. Again, ju- just camp deals, but you never know what could happen with some of these wings. But, okay, back to my trivia question. <laughs> we got sidetracked. Um, who do you think is the best player that Alfred Payton has played with in his four years in the league? Uh, Evan Fournier, probably. Or Devin Booker. See, I was going to say, is it like Devin Booker on a technicality? Because, I mean, that wasn't really very long. O- Oladipo was in Orlando, but he wasn't the player we know today in Indiana. So... I'm I'm not sure. Like the point of this is, we can't really come up with anyone even close to Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis or Julius Randle while we're at it, and that's a that's a good sign I think also for Julius Randle who hasn't really played with anyone, is that they should be coming to a better situation here and hopefully thriving in the system. Like I said before. Yeah, I'm excited about both of those acquisitions. Sorry, I'm having a hard time pronouncing words today. At least you're not hosting. <laughs> um, I did want to say, though, I, I am excited for that, but also I got to see – he was one of my first like basketball players I've seen courtside. Um, for those of you who don't know, I was with the Raging Cajuns Sports Information Department um, my first game in my three or so years of being there. I was there for Alfred Payton's last home game in the Cajun Dome in Lafayette. And my first, like, initial reaction, I saw him drive hard through the lane and try to end someone's life on a dunk. I was immediately impressed. Like you said, the defense earlier, 
have we haven't seen it as much. I would also uh, attribute that to the talent that he's been playing with, but we you hope that it can improve. Also, he's had I think like five different coaches since he came in the NBA. It's it's hard to right. maintain a level of play when you're constantly having front office rotations. And last year had Frank Vogel in Orlando, but only played 44 games with Orlando. Didn't really have, you know, the best situation to learn. But yeah, it's the same thing we talked about with Bogey Cousins before having a lot of different coaches in his life with the Kings. Now in the Warriors, though, but we're not really worried about him. <laughs> no. Well, let's move on from him already. <laughs> yeah. And we'll move on from this a little bit. After the dust settled from Alfred Payton and Julius Randle signings, throw in Ian Clark if you want to. There hasn't really been much free agency news for New Orleans outside of the two-way <laughs> deals, training camp contracts, like we just saw in the middle of this podcast. Um, however... That does not mean that there's nothing to talk about in regards to the Pelicans. As shown by you, Ryan, just a few days ago, I know you hate self-promotion, so yep. I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> um, over at Bourbon Street Shots website, Ryan has a piece up with some perspective on the situation involving the Pelicans' wing players, or some would say the lack thereof. Um, so do read that, but I did want to talk about the wings a bit. Like, we have time on this, right? Patience overall should be the plan here right and uh i know people keep saying we need to sign like someone like pat Connaughton or Corey brewer they're not starting over etuan Moore. you're not signing a minimum guy to start at small forward Moore will be at that spot unless they make a trade or as we've talked about before solomon hill i think oh, or in my yes. opinion the pelicans already have a decent wing in solomon hill yeah, and I don't think it's quite fair to judge Hill off his 2017-18 year. He was obviously not healthy, and a year uh, the summer should do him some good. There's no way he's going to shoot 19% from the three like he did last year. The year before that, he was league average. I didn't realize is, it was that bad. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. All he has to do next year is play defense like we know he can and shoot league average from the three, push the ball when he gets it in transition, which he's more than capable of because he's a decent passer. And uh, my main point about Solomon Hill is I keep seeing a lot of people on Twitter like, get Solomon Hill off my team. For what? Like, uh, you're going to do a salary dump like Denver, and then you're out another wing. Right. Yeah, and no. I mean, the Pelicans are already thin on the wings. You, you right. Know, so, yeah. Solomon Hill is, like you said, with the defense, that, that I think is his main contribution, even if he gets to three points, the percentage up, which he will. Um all I can remember is in the season before he got injured when he just locked up Kawhi Leonard one-on-one down the stretch of a game. I think the Pelicans won that game. I would hope so. But he obviously wasn't the same player last season. He had a hamstring tear, was out for a long time. And, I mean, you're not going to recover from that and then come back immediately in the middle of a season and perform well for a playoff team at that playoff level if you haven't had the whole season to prepare so i've also seen talk of people saying you know get solomon hill out there he's the omer ashik if you will like we got rid of omer ashik and now okay solomon hill is a bad contract that people want to get rid of i don't think it's that bad he has what two years left on this deal yeah two years um making about 12.5 million a year yeah and that's if he plays at the level that he played at in 2016-17 season, 
it's it's really not a bad contract. Like he could be he was supposed to be the starting small forward and then the team obviously found a different identity, but he still has a role on this team and he still could come into his own next season. I I would I would be patient on him unless a deal presents itself like you said in your piece there's there's no need to rush, right? Right. There's it's um uh, if you dump him you're losing an asset like a pick or something just to dump when you could say he plays and then you they see he can play a little bit trade him for a larger salary like a one of the better wings at the deadline or something like that if it presents itself but I don't think it will before the season starts. Yeah, I probably the best bet is just waiting till the trade deadline. Yeah, and then teams will realize that uh we're not making the playoffs, uh we don't want to pay this guy next year things like that and then they're more motivated to trade in season because everyone right now likes their team right and at that point you could probably get some kind of bargain i don't know yeah, if like, everyone uh, likes their team though <laughs> well maybe not atlanta or hey the kings atlanta just got vince carter superstar former slam dunk champion and all-star vince carter he is the opposite of a ring chaser <laughs> he went to the sacramento kings and then he went to the hawks Ah, uh, you know, whatever. He yeah, live he, his life. Still gets to play a little bit, and they treat him well. Whatever. They said, uh, according to Keith Smith on Twitter, that he, uh, the Kings, really said good things about him in the locker room last year. So maybe could help out the young guys on the Hawks. They're trying to rebuild, even though you know they make horrible trades on draft night. But <laughs> it's another topic for another time. To be fair, we haven't seen either Trey Young or Luka Doncic play in the NBA yet. <sighs> okay, yep. You, I just said to be patient, and then I'm already making predictions. Okay, uh, <laughs> you're you're right. <laughs> On that note, though, let's take a take a little reset. We're not done talking about wings, though. We'll talk about that after the break. Okay, we're back. Still talking about. Pelicans wing issues or wing acquisitions. We looked up Troy Williams over the break. He has played for a total of three teams in 2016-17 season. He was on Memphis and then went to Houston. Started this season on Houston and then ended up on the Knicks for 17 games. He's one of Dell Dumps's projects, it looks like, on trying to find one of those steals of a wing. Garland Green, Kenrich Williams, as we talked about earlier, the other camp deals, they're both 6'7". Troy Williams, also 6'7". Shot 33% from three on about two attempts per game. Good enough for usually probably one shot made, which, hey, anything off the bench. Pelicans didn't really get much bench production this year, usually sticking to an eight-man rotation kind of being top-heavy, but again, this is just a camp deal, one of those things where Dell Dumps is trying his hardest to look on at fringe guys who sometimes they work out. Look at Darius Miller last year, but anyway. He might uh, get like a little more guaranteed than the other ones. I see Knicks fans are really upset they cut him, and they say he's one of the hustle guys, doesn't take plays off, so maybe he might make it to... The regular and season. as a bench guy, that's pretty much all you want is just someone who could provide energy. You know, even if they can't shoot, 
maybe try to space the floor with athleticism, with moving around. You saw Czech Diallo a lot last year. I, I liked how he moved off the ball, provided that energy off the bench. Really, that's all they needed sometimes with just some kind of lethargic offense, lethargic moving around. So, yeah, we'll see. He had a um, it's a multi-year deal with just a little bit guaranteed, but he, you know, he may not even get to the second year. He may not even get out of camp. But again, we'll see. Um, moving on. I don't think uh, Liggins makes it to camp. Really? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the team thinks of Liggins because, you know, in that one game, what, was it the game Boogie went out when Liggins locked up Harden? <laughs> With his hands behind his back? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the same I was, game. I was at that game, and the the place went nuts when he was playing defense, which that doesn't usually happen. But, I mean, he's a guy, he, he showed he could shoot a little bit. The defense is something you want. I don't know if he's going to be there or not. Uh, Will Guillory says the Williams contract is a two-year deal with a team option in the second season. Okay. It's I mean, all non-guaranteed. Hmm. So... So in other words, Camp not, just not really, yeah, just not really much of a risk, which that's that's really all you're gonna get. As we mentioned earlier, dog days of summer, we're on uh, July 25th, about 24 days removed from the start of free agency, when Alfred Payton was originally signed or agreed to his deal. So at this point, we're really not getting many needle moving kind of moves. But if you were, <laughs> another game I would like to play. All right. Uh, idealistically, realistically, who would you want out of the re- remaining available players? I guess anyone's available since trades are a thing, but who would you want on this team if we can make uh, one more move? I don't really know if there's anyone I want, okay. but there are people that I think <laughs> they might look at. I'll start. Idealistically, I want LeBron James. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I mean there's not really much real realistically, but also idealistically, Chris Middleton would be oh, yeah. my guy if I could trade for someone right now. I think he would fit in perfectly for the system cuz I mean right now you probably have Etwan Moore starting at uh small forward, which he's about 6-4, not exactly going to lock up Kevin Durant types of people paul george's of the world chris middleton provides you another playmaker another shooter much longer athlete so yeah, if I i'm saw. if i'm looking idealistically but realistically because he has what a year on his deal is expiring he's um, gonna expire and make a lot of money oh yeah so i mean it'd be a one-year rental but hey might as well yeah i saw uh when it was reported that he he actually might be moved, but then they clarify a few days later, like uh, it's going to take a big offer for him, at least right now. But I don't think they're going to want to pay him. I mean, that's what they said for Kawhi Leonard. And he was moved for really not that much. I mean, the Raptors were trying to trade DeRozan anyway, which they weren't going to tell him that. But all they, all he was really moved for was DeRozan and Jakob Pertl. And that's it. And ended up getting Danny Green in the deal too. So I've I've learned to suspend disbelief because really almost anything can happen. We don't know 
what's going to happen this year if superstars become disgruntled, somebody ends up demanding a trade, if the you know their offer is or they want offers originally that are out of this world, but they might settle for something like we said earlier at the trade deadline when they you know might lose him for nothing if they don't move him. So yeah, we again I think that's where you're right in saying team needs to just wait until later because that's when people like Middleton can potentially be moved for something that won't decimate your team. I have a feeling this they're going to trade for Harrison Barnes during the season. I don't know why oh. other than other he's than probably not us <laughs> because of the Mavericks just he, having a great off season. Yeah, he's probably not in uh Mavericks plans and then he's played for Gentry on the Golden State. I could see Gentry wanting to get a guy he's familiar with that runs the similar type of offense or works well in it. And if you're going to move Solomon Hill, then Harrison Barnes is a very similar type of player, similar type of body. That could work. Yeah. Although that is a lot of money. Yeah, it is. And that's that's the problem with good wings. They, they are all over $20 million. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to spend eventually. Like, you know, I've seen the name Otto Porter thrown around, but that's a even larger contract, $100 million. So, okay. <laughs> I have, so I had idealistically LeBron idealistically realistic is Middleton pessimistically realistic uh somebody like Rodney Hood or Nick Young because I feel like that will happen I uh okay for a minimum guy that is not going to be a training camp deal that's I still think the Pelicans are going to sign one more yeah so who do you think that's going to be or who give me some names so that was my pessimistically realistic my realistically realistic is someone who I actually think they're going to sign or, you know, if if they were to sign one more for a veteran minimum, which that's all they can do at this point. Also, probably Rodney Hood and Nick Young. <laughs> because, I mean, the, the market's gone. I mean, Nick Young could probably go back to the Warriors if they have spots. I don't know if Rodney Hood's going to want to play in Cleveland, but he is restricted. Um, or if he, I don't know if he's going to want to do a veteran minimum deal because he could get paid next season or by one of those teams with no cap with a lot of cap space. I think but I do think he might take a one year deal to come to the Pelicans or some other team. You don't think Cleveland would just match that? I mean, they have a lot of money tied up already. Yeah, but they don't, don't have know. as much anymore. They still have their full MLE. They just extended love, but that doesn't kick in until next year. That's true. And then I saw they're working on extending Larry Nance. That might be after Nance gets done, that might be when they decide on Hood. It just depends on if they still want him on the team because, I mean, the Jazz couldn't wait to get rid of him. Cleveland didn't really play him until the finals. Like, which... he's, a, he's a polarizing player. Like I go back and forth on if I like him every day. <laughs> I went back and forth on this podcast thinking if I like him or not. Uh, yeah, he is a polarizing player. Um, the Pelicans don't shy away exactly from polarizing players. Um, no, they tried to sign Nick Young last year. That's right. another reason why I think they might sign him once he realizes he's a minimum guy now. I mean, everyone at this point is minimum if you want to go to a contender. No no one has space. This, you know, July 25th, as we mentioned earlier, there's not not, not much time. Not even the non-contenders have space this year. <laughs> so, And as far as guys that I would like... You threw around the name Pat Connaughton earlier. 
<laughs> I'm I saw I saw that name and I didn't think it would actually be a possibility. But then I looked at um, Bourbon Street shots as Michael McNamara, and even Fletcher Mackle both agreed that Connaughton would be a good fit. So that either means that the world is ending, <laughs> or that he might actually be a good fit. And I mean, you know, besides getting his uh, career ended by Drew Holiday on a block in the playoffs, or was that during the season? That was that the was like late season. Late season before the five game winning right. streak. Besides that, he is a good player and would be a good fit in this system, but I don't know if he would come here. I think he might. I mean, Portland let him go for Nick Stoskis, so it's not like he's going to get a, a big deal or anything. What is Portland doing? <laughs> uh, letting good players go for Nick Stoskis. So they they let go Ed Davis, who yeah. was like one of the only players that played well against Pelicans. Um, usually has an upside over any team. Just what are they doing? <laughs> they inquired about Kevin Love before Love's extension, as well as the Hornets and Miami. I just read that. Ooh. That's the thing, though, with a lot of these teams, and that's probably my major pet peeve about the offseason, is that we forget all of these things that just happened. I know... A lot of people have seen ESPN, I think, put out a rating or ranking of top 10 teams in the league coming into next season. Portland was, what, 9 or 10? I think they were 8, and the Nuggets, for some reason, were 7. And it just makes no sense, because uh, we just suddenly forget everything that just happened. <laughs> I don't get the Nuggets, love. On uh, I see a lot. I know that they all advanced stats favor them, but advanced stats are not good for defense, and they're not going to be a good defensive team. And then they lost their best uh, defender, that's not Paul Millsap, in a salary dump to the Sixers. Wilson Wilson Chandler is good. Yeah. I I know they had to save money or else they were paying like $80 million of luxury tax. But the team just doesn't look as good as last season. And last season's team did not make the playoffs. Now, I understand Paul Millsap was injured, you know, but... Their starting lineup now, so they lost their best uh, defender outside of Millsap in Wilson Chandler. And they're, they're putting now... Barton in the starting lineup. And Barton was good as a starter last year, but their bench is going to be led by uh, Michael Porter Jr. is probably going to miss the first part of the season. So Isaiah Thomas is going to be their first guy off the bench probably. And, and I, I see a lot of minutes with Isaiah Thomas standing tall at five foot nine, and Nikola Jokic, who got burned by Isaiah Thomas in a game last season and two of by far the worst defenders in the league probably going to get a lot of minutes together and that team is being picked to like universally almost to make the playoffs not even make the playoffs I'm seeing them it's like a fourth fourth or fifth seed but uh I think any if they do they are a playoff contender but any Improvement they make will be internally and not from salary dumps they made. Right. Um, I mean, they have young players. Jamal Murray is, you know, someone who I wanted for the Pelicans in the Buddy Heald draft. But I, I, it turned out the way it turned out. Um, <laughs> Michael Porter Jr., I was angry at that as well because another Western Conference team getting a good player. But the the other just gigantic holes in the roster... I. I can't see how that team is going to improve 
from a personnel standpoint, just on like players that they acquired. Right. I I don't get it either. So number one off season pet peeve is it just rankings in general? <laughs> it's just point? the preemptive rankings, like or praising praising moves that teams had to do, like. Anytime the Nets do anything, Sean Marks is getting praised. He's just taking salary dumps and getting draft picks. It's not hard when you're not competing. Right. I mean, he has done well there, I think. But there I there don't have been think a few like, good moves. But, yeah, I, yeah. Know what you're, I know where you're coming from. And then Denver dumped, I can't think of how much money. A lot. And, and traded a pick that still might go to the Nets at the end of the lottery just to get rid of guys. It to not pay the tax and they're owned by Walmart. So, I mean, the tax shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> yeah. They, they have enough money. It's just, I don't know if you want to pay that much if you're not going to be contending. Cause I mean, you know, we could talk about all these teams. The Warriors are still probably winning, <laughs> you know, it, it's still going to be an intriguing season. I think to see the future of the league, but I mean, we're, we're trying to, if, if, you know, people are ranking, we're ranking teams two through eight in the Western conference, maybe the East will be nice, but I mean, we're worried about the West as Pelicans fans. I feel like everyone in the West got better. So I don't they did. really know. Unless you're like the Kings who, and they still got better. They're, they're amassing every possible uh, shooting guard and power forward. Oh, yeah, and they, they have stole, no other uh, positions on their roster. They stole Yogi Ferrell from us. How do you feel about that? We we covered that on Monday. We're, we don't <laughs> care. Yeah. Yogi Ferrell yeah. watches over. But, you know, it, it's all these other teams. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what the rankings are, like I just said. But it still is a pet peeve of mine that people just forget. Every, like Portland, like we said earlier, they you said eighth on that top 10 ranking mm-hmm. and the pelicans are not on that top 10 ranking pelicans are 12 i looked at the espn Des- article despite sweeping the blazers in four games <laughs> in the most recent playoff adventure and i think the roster right now is better than the one that they swept portland with because it's yes rondo was important i don't want to get uh say he wasn't but had you asked me mid-season would i trade rajon rondo for elford payton and julius randall i would have said yes instantly and, and he isn't included did. in that because he wasn't a part of the team. Like, he wasn't playing after that All-Star break. And I think that's what a lot of people don't really realize. This brings me to another point, though, with uh, Scott Kushner, friend of the program. He uh, has an article out in The Advocate about, you know, just a lot of people wondering, is this team better? And um, I would say... Is it better than the team that swept Portland? Yeah, probably. You know, the loss of Rondo hurts, but you get another competent big instead of just having Anthony Davis and Nikola Miritich. Now you have three with Julius Randle added. And plus, I mean, there's still not maybe huge roster moves to go, but the roster isn't exactly shaken out completely yet. Um, But, I mean, we don't really know what they're going to be, but... I guess, I guess that what that's why we have to wait until the season starts. That's just my opinion, though. But watching, because like last year, we had no idea what was going to happen. We saw the veterans brought in. Boogie was still there. They added Rondo, Tony Allen, and Jameer Nelson. Even if we want to go that far, my dad knows who they are. That's <laughs> that's my uh, meter. There is 
if they know if my dad knows who the player is, then they're like a veteran who can maybe help. <laughs> none of those players are on the team anymore. <laughs> All four of them are gone. But I think at the time they were trying to establish an identity. That's why they brought all the veterans in. I think they established an identity, but without most of those players. They were trying to find it because they weren't certain which one was the path to success. But now, you know, we saw it in the playoffs. They're a fast-paced team. They brought in Randall and Peyton. Like I said earlier, they can fit into that system and thrive. They know who they are now. I think... That's why they're further along, I think, than last year. But, I mean, we don't really know how that's going to shake out. But that is a pet peeve of mine. Just we don't really know what's going to happen. But we do at least know what happened last year and how they have improved or where they seem to be going in the next year. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. And uh, the the point about it, yeah, Peyton and Randall are both unproven. I think that is the main thing people uh, look at. And that's true. I mean, we really don't know how they're going to be in this system, and there's unknowns, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, We have talked for a long time here. (laughs) I think it's about time to wrap this up. Go read Ryan's article on Bourbon Street Shots and everything he puts out in the future. Uh, Thank you, Ryan, for coming on. Uh, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 